Red Rocks, awesome. That's our church, y'all. Hey, people can say what they will about us. We're a good looking group uh, of people and we make really cool videos. So welcome to church. My name is Ryan, if we haven't met yet. And if this is your first time, uh, I wanna give you a very special welcome. You picked a great week to come to church because tonight you get to hear about relationships from a guy that has been perpetually single for the last 29 years. So get your pens out, get your notebooks out. This one's gonna fix everything. It's gonna fix. Two things real quick. Yes, I'm a single pastor, and yes, that is a unique journey, and I'll be the first to admit that that means there are things that I can't relate to, and there are things that I have missed out on. But on the other hand, what that has meant for me through my 20s is I have gotten to experience God and walk with God in a new and different way that's just unique and, and different than, than like Doug or Ethan has. And so it's fun for me to get to stand up here on stage and be like, no, this is, this is it, this is what I've learned. Let me show you kind of my side of, of, of how things are going. So we're gonna have some fun tonight. I'm gonna share some of those stories with you. And, and number two, it's funny when we say relationship series because we all just automatically think like significant other, you know? But, but the reality is, is we all have like hundreds of relationships in our life. You have a relationship with, with everyone in your family. You have a relationship with every one of your friends. You have a relationship with all of your coworkers, all your acquaintances. You have a relationship with your landlord, right? Like, like life is full of relationships. And if we were honest in this place and I said, hey, give me one word, one word to describe all your relationships, it'd be really difficult to do, right? Because, I mean, maybe complicated is like the, the best word that, that we can come up with. Because in this room, a room full of people like this, we have people right now who are falling in love. And we have people who are going through terrible breakups. Right? We, we have people who are celebrating amazing friendship and community. And we have people who had big falling outs with people that they care about this week. We have people who are surrounded by family that loves them and cares about them and celebrates them. And we have people in this room who haven't talked to their family in years. Right? So, so the question is, how, what, what do we do when we're in a, a space where there's so much going on? And so my thought for tonight is simply this. What if, what if there were a song that could help us in any situation? And so I titled the talk tonight, A Song for Every Situation. I wanna talk about a song. I wanna, I wanna leave us with a song tonight to have in our back pocket so that we can go into our week and no matter what happens, whether it's amazing or terrible, this is a song that's going to push us closer to God and help us in our relationships with each other this week. So we're gonna focus in on this song. But before we get to that song, before I tell you what that song is, we get, we're gonna have a little fun. You guys up to play a little game? Here's the deal. The song that we're talking about tonight is a very, very, very old song. And so I didn't just want to like jump back to, to 3,000 years ago and, and read about a song. I wanted to, to kind of help us take a tour through the history uh, of music. So we're going to play a game called Name That Tune. Name that tune. We're going to make this battle of the sexes. We'll go guys versus girls. Here's the thing. Uh, song's going to play in just a, a second from the early 2000s. And the first person to shout out the name of the artist and the correct song gets a point for their team. Then we'll go 90s. We'll go 80s, etc. Does that sound like a plan? You got to shout loud because I got to hear it. All right, Paul. Early 2000s. Let's go. What's the song? Nope, wrong. 
Women won that one. Well done. Hey, yesterday I was at a, I was at a coffee shop and uh, I, a guy sat down. It was a crowded coffee shop and a, a guy sits down right next to me and I've got my Bible, my journal and this song playing on my computer because I was getting ready. And he looks at me like, what? Who are you? Welcome to Red Rocks Austin. All right, women are up one, zero. Let's go back to the 90s, Paul. Hit us. This is a tough one. Adam. Adam. Oh, Who knows this song? How many of you know Ed? You know this song. Come on. This was like, this was your glory days. All right, guys, one to one. Let's go back to the 80s, Paul. Give me an 80s song. You guys, the 80s was such a good era, decade for music. I think we need another 80s song. Paul, can you give me one more? Megan got that. Megan got that. Well done. Don't stop believing. Anyone's high school song? Senior year high school song? It was mine. BJ, thanks, man. Okay, hey, one more 80s song, Paul. Fellas, it's four to one right now. Ladies, ladies are winning. So good that years later, movies are being named after it. All right, let's go to the 70s. Here we go. What do we got? I feel like we should just play that one behind the rest of my sermon. All right, hey, this is the championship. This is the last round. It's four to two, but this one's worth three points. So anybody's game, let's get a song from the 60s. Sorry, I couldn't hear you. It's not fair. And you don't actually win anything. It's an arbitrary game. Um, let's do this, though. This is a little bonus round. That was, that was like 60 years ago, and we're still listening to it, still talking about it. Let's go back 200 years. We have a song from 200 years ago? 200 years ago. And yet, how many of you have heard this song? You all tried to play it in your very first piano lesson, and then you stopped right there, right? Because great songs transcend time. What about 300 years? Last one. The song is 300 years old, and yet we all know, at least most of us, know what this song is. That's enough, that's enough, that's enough. Because great music transcends time. Well, that's going back 300 years. The, the song that we're going to look at tonight goes back 3,000 years. Let that sink in for, for a second. Think about how much has changed throughout the course of history over the last 3,000 years, and yet somebody sat down and wrote a song that we are still talking about on the other side of the globe in 2019. That's pretty powerful. That's a song that you listen to. And so that's the song that I want to focus on tonight. It's, it's uh, Psalm 23, and you've probably heard it, even if this is your first time in church, you've probably seen it on a bumper sticker 
coffee mug or your grandma's pillow. It's a, it's a famous song, but there's so much that we can glean from this song. So I'm gonna read it, pray, spend a few minutes just, just unpacking it, and then we're gonna sing together. We'll go enjoy our Sunday evening. Does that sound good? This is it. Psalm 23, it says this, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It truly is a song for every situation. Let's pray and let's, let's talk about it. God, we love you so much. I thank you for this place. I thank you for every soul in this room. Would you help us understand Psalm 23 a little bit more today? We give you all the glory, all the praise, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. We good? Feeling well? So this psalm was written by a guy named David, and uh, the Bible in two spots calls David a man after God's own heart. So, so my question is, why was David a man after God's own heart? In fact, if you read the story um, of his life, he actually made a ton of mistakes. He, he made mistakes all the time, and yet God goes, that guy. That guy is a man after my own heart. And the question is, well, why? Right. And I think the answer is right in the very first verse of this psalm, that, that he understood in a way that I long to understand that the Lord, the Lord is our shepherd. It's almost like David understood that there is a way that the world works, that this whole thing is revolving around something and it's not him, right? Like Revelation 4, Isaiah 6, both give us glimpses into the throne room of God. And we, we get these visions of, of God sitting on his throne, like in the middle of this room. And all of these angels and all these spiritual beings are surrounding God, going, God, you're on the throne, not us. So holy, holy, holy. Understanding that there, there's like a divine priority to this whole thing, that God is on the throne and we or not. So, so when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I think that was a bit of an anthem for him as he went throughout his, his pretty difficult life as he constantly reminded himself, hey, God is on the throne, not me. God is on the throne, not me. Throw that verse back up, uh, 23, verse one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. By the way, whenever you see the Lord in all caps, like that, remember, um, this was written in Hebrew originally, so we have to, to translate it. Whenever you see the Lord in all caps, what that is is the personal name for God. We call it the Tetragrammaton in, in seminary, which doesn't matter. Scholars think it sounded something like Yahweh. Yahweh. So what David is saying here is he's going, hey, Yahweh is my shepherd. It's like Buddy the Elf. Remember Buddy, Buddy the Elf when, when we announced that Santa's coming tomorrow? And to everybody else in the room, like Santa is just kind of an idea, kind of an abstract thing. So it's like, oh, that's cool. But to Buddy, Buddy goes, I know him, right? Like that's not just an idea to me. I know who that is. Well, David's doing the same thing here going, Yahweh, I know him. He's on the throne, not 
me. And so what David's doing is he's realizing that, that there is a proper way to, um, to, to view our priorities and what it looks like is God being on the throne, not us. And so my, my big thought for tonight is that with proper priorities, relationships prosper. With proper priorities, relationships prosper. Understanding what David wrote in Psalm 23:1, I think is a huge key to all of our relationships. Our relationship with God, of course, right? Because it just works a whole lot better when we realize that he's on the throne, not us. David was a shepherd, so, so he understood sheep and sheep weren't the brightest. Um, but can you, can you imagine like a, a sheep in the flock trying to raise up like a rebellion against the shepherd? Like this David guy, kidding me? We should be heading east right now. Why are, we, why are we heading west? If I was in charge, if I ran the show, we'd be going the other, you know? Like that's an absurd thought for a lot of different reasons. But the, like sheep just don't do that. And so David saying, the Lord is my shepherd is his way of saying, I don't know, I don't know how to do this whole thing called life, but God sure does. And so I'm gonna make sure I get the proper priorities. I'm gonna make sure I keep him on the throne and, and not me because life is just gonna work better that way. So our relationship with God prospers when we've got proper priorities, but also our relationships with each other. Uh, like nothing, nothing ruins a relationship faster than putting the other person on the throne. Nothing ruins a relationship faster than making a God out, out uh, of somebody else. Like, like let's, let's get real for a second. Ladies, like you, you meet a guy and you fall in love with him and, and you, you're just so excited because you love how funny he is and you're just calling all your friends like, this guy, he's so funny. Like, I've got abs now because I'm just like laughing every day and it's so good. And then two years into marriage, his sense of humor just drives you nuts and you're like, what? Can't you take anything seriously? You know, like we're trying to do our taxes right now and you're just making jokes. Why? Sense of humor is not a bad thing. But when we make a good thing an ultimate thing, it's gonna set us up for failure. So when we have proper priorities, when we put God on the throne instead of us, our relationships with each other start to prosper. And then the other thing I would say is our relationship with ourselves. Man, I, I can't tell you how many times I sit down with somebody for coffee and, and I... I'm walking them through whatever, and they say something along the lines of, look, I know God forgives me. I know God forgives me. I just can't forgive myself, all right? We've all been there. We all, we all know that feeling, but if you think about it, what that's really doing, what we're really saying when, when we do that is, is, hey, I know that God forgives me, but I wanna sit on the throne instead of God. Tim Keller says it best, always. He says, when people say, I know God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself, they mean they have failed an idol whose approval is more important than God's. In other words, I've made an idol out of, out of myself, and so I can't forgive myself because despite what God says about me, I still can't let go of X, Y, or Z. That's how shame works, right? Doug talked about that last week, and if you weren't here, go listen to it because it was so good. And we've hearing so many stories all throughout the week of people who God is setting free and it's so much fun. But proper priorities and proper priorities, uh, getting ourselves off the throne and putting God back on the throne also helps our relationship with ourselves. I'd say it's the key to learning how to actually forgive ourselves and walk in freedom. So proper with proper priorities, relationships 
prosper. A lot of P's. I'm sorry for everyone sitting in the front row. I'm working on it. Okay, so with that, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. By the way, second week in the row that we're talking about some sort of like divine sleeper hold here, like God makes me lie down in, in green pastures. And, and maybe what's, what's going on is God's going, hey, just tell him that, that some of us just need to sleep, man. Like, like some of us just need to slow down a little bit and rest. That has nothing to do with my talk. That's just, I thought, I, I read a study this week for something that we're working on um, for next month uh, that was talking about the, the rise of depression and anxiety and suicide in the universities. And, and the psychologist was making the claim um, that 50% of it w- would be wiped out if, if these kids would just sleep for eight hours a night. 50%, right off the bat, we just get rid of, of 50%. We live in a world that makes it so difficult to slow down. He makes me lie down in green pastures, right? So, so when you read the first part of, of this song, you're going, well, of course David's saying the Lord is my shepherd. Like, he's got it made right now. He's lying down in green pastures. He's being led beside still waters. It sounds pretty nice, right? Like, like if that was my life, I'd be going, yeah, of course. God's on the throne, not me. But look at the next verse. He goes on to say this. Even though... Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So, so what I love about David, and the reason David is a man after God's own heart, and how I want to live my life is, is not, yeah, God is the shepherd and he's in control only if things are going good, but God is the shepherd and God is in control even if things aren't going great at all. Uh, like, let me talk to the single people for a second because we are historically bad at something and it's not entirely our, our fault, but, but one of the things that we do is, is we hear somewhere along the way, like, hey, uh, I, I know you, you wanna get married and so here are a few things that you have to do. Like, here's the five things that you have to check off the list and then God's gonna like, boom, bring you a spouse, you know? Like, like it's, it's just that easy. And so, so we go, yeah, okay, I'll worship God. I'll worship God, but only if, what comes of it is a spouse. So it looks like, um, like, like we hear someone's testimony about how it was the day that I stopped caring about finding that special someone that God just like magically brought him to me, right? So, so we come into church and we're like, yeah, I don't, I don't even wanna like, I, I love being single. Like I don't even wanna go on a date right now. I don't even wanna have a spouse. Like I get to do so much more for the kingdom when I'm like by myself. And like, meanwhile, we have like our fingers like crossed behind our back. Like we're gonna trick God somehow, right? Like yeah, he created the universe, but maybe reverse psychology is going to get him or, or whatever. Or we'll, we'll do the thing where we go, okay, 12 months. I'm gonna devote 12 months to singleness. I'm gonna work on myself. It's a great thing. I'm a huge fan. In fact, I'm on my... 29th lap of it right now. I think I'm just trying to make sure I get everything out of the exercise. But what happens is we like circle that date on our calendar in red, right? And we're like, okay, that's the date that I got to get to. And we, we have like our, our outfit picked out for that day and we've got our hair done and we have our game plan and we like run out into the street that day like, okay, God, I worshiped, I gave you 12 months. Now, where is she? 
You're like, like looking around every tree. Like, I don't really know how it works, but I know that she's gonna be somewhere, right? And the whole time we're worshiping God, but we're worshiping God only if he gives us what we want. Well, I think what happens as we start to, to get our priorities in the right order is our only ifs start to become even ifs. And, and, and let me just say this, and I, um, I'm well aware that in my young age, there aren't a whole lot of things I can say with too much authority, but I can say this. There is so, so, so much freedom, single people, to be found when you just stop playing that game. There just is, I, I promise you, it's so uh, amazing. Like, it is okay. It's okay the season that you're in. And if you desire to get married, that's beautiful. And we'll, we'll help you do that. That's great. But what about today? What about right now? Today, you are single. And so today, you're called to be single. And so today, live out that calling to the best of your ability. And, and, and don't panic. I, so, so many times, I'll uh, meet with somebody and they'll go, hey, uh, so are you called to be single? I'll, like, I don't really know what that means, but I guess I'm single, so I guess. And then the, the follow-up question always, every time is, oh, like, like forever? And like, listen, how could I ever know the answer to that question? I don't know. I, I haven't lived my entire life yet. I'll let you know when I get to the end of it. But what I know is today, this is where I'm at and I really enjoy it. And so I'm going to focus on being faithful to what's right in front of me. And I'm gonna let the future take care of itself. Man, we, we, we throw these words like calling out there. You called to be single your, your entire life. And, and we almost think like, like you start following Jesus and, and then he's gonna put like a binder down on your desk the next day with like your 80 year plan. Like here's what's, 2025 is gonna look like. Here's what 2035 is gonna look like, right? And then we like have this whole thing spread out. Meanwhile, we follow this Jewish rabbi named Jesus who said things like, don't worry about tomorrow. There's people right in front of you right now to love. Maybe you worry about what's right in front of you right here, right now. And as we continue to work on getting our priorities straight uh, and getting off the throne and letting God be there, I'm, I'm telling you, it's like our, our only ifs start to become our evenness and the freedom that is found in that is beautiful. Or, or like, think about work. Anyone ever been in a, in a work environment where um, it just feels like, despite what everybody says, everybody just wants the throne, you know? Like everybody's just kind of grabbing for, for power and everybody wants to be that person. So, so what happens is they're like, your boss will walk into the office first day and be like, hey, hey champ, so glad that you're here. This is gonna be your cubicle over here. Just wanna let you know right off the bat, we're a team here, right? And so we're all working together. When you win, I win. And so let me know any way that I, I can help. We just wanna all figure this out together. And then, then he's like, okay, I'll be in my corner office. You let me know if, if you need anything. And it, and, and it just feels like, hey, everybody's like talking a big game about how we're all in this together and we're not gonna fight for the throne, but it sure feels like there's a game going on just beneath the surface that's a whole lot different than that. And then you get to 5 p.m., and you find yourself exhausted, not so much because of the work that you did, but because there's like this game going on beneath the surface, right? And, and, and listen, this week, if you're gonna play the only if game, if you're gonna play the only if game, you're gonna be just as exhausted as everybody else. If you play the, I'll, I'll serve, yeah, God can be my shepherd, but only, only if I get that promotion, only if I make that sale, only if I earn that respect, you're gonna be just 
as exhausted. But here's the thing. You, you can't control how everybody else is going to act in your workspace. But this is one of those as for me in my house kind of moments for you where you can go, but for me, as for me in my house, as for me in my cubicle, uh, as for me in my career, I'm gonna serve the Lord. I'm not gonna play that game anymore. Can I tell you the immense amount of freedom that is waiting right on the other side of making that decision? And you just sit down, you keep your head down, you work hard. And what's funny is you start to realize that all the energy you used to give to playing that game, you can now devote to your work and you actually start crushing it and the promotions and all that come anyways because you're not so caught up playing this silly little power game that you're freed up to take this world somewhere, work hard, be a good employee and make disciples in this world. And that same guy comes and knocks on your, on your door years later, like, hey, I gotta, I gotta talk to you about something. It just seems like, seems like you have a secret. It seems like there's something different about you. Like, like, what is that? And you're gonna get the opportunity to go, yeah, I do. I actually got a song for that situation. Why don't you come in? I'd love to tell you all about it. I'd love to tell you about, all about the Lord Yahweh, who is my shepherd. When we get our priorities right, relationships start to prosper. Let's keep reading. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, see David understood that proper priorities also kind of turn the lights on. Uh, let me show you what I mean. There's a, there's a story where, uh, where Saul, who's the king at the time, is being attacked by, by the Philistines, who's ran by this guy named Goliath. You've probably heard this story. And every single one of the Israelite soldiers is scared to death because what they're all thinking at some level is, oh no, I gotta protect my kingdom. I, I gotta protect what's, what's, what's going on here. And if I go out and fight that guy, I, I, I could get killed. But see, because David understood the divine order, he, because he had his priorities in check, David, a young, young kid, walks straight into it and goes, what? why would I be afraid of someone who's trying to come against what God is trying to do in this world? Let's read the story, 1 Samuel 17, 34. It says this, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there would come a lion or a bear um, and took the lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. David was awesome. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them for he has defied the armies of the living God. See, David understood the, the, that, that proper priorities lead to a whole lot of freedom. It's like turning the lights on in a dark room. You ever watch a, a scary movie? Hopefully the answer is yes. I used to, to watch a few. I don't really anymore because I realized that I don't have to. <laughs> Somebody came up to me the other day. I don't remember the movie. It was, just got put on Netflix and they're like, oh, really not looking forward to watching that one. So don't watch it, <laughs> you, don't, you, you get a choice. Why is a scary movie scary? Scary movies are scary when you're watching it alone at night with all the lights turned off. 
because all of a sudden every creaky pipe and every barking dog is like someone coming to get you. But what happens when your roommate gets home? What happens when your spouse gets home? What happens when your friends come over? Like loses its power, doesn't it? And then what happens when you turn the lights on in the room? You're looking around like, why was I so scared of that? Uh, what happens when you start laughing at, at the, the movie that's going on? Like it, it loses all of its power because evil's only weapon is what it tries to do beneath the surface. Evil's only weapon is what it tries to do in the darkness. And so when we get our priorities straight, when we come here and gather together and worship, it's like somebody just turned on a giant light in this place and all those things that used to scare us are put in their proper place. And we go, yeah, the world is scary. Yeah, there is evil, but there's a God who is on his throne today. And no matter what happens this week, I promise you, we'll still be on his throne next week. This is Yahweh. This is our shepherd. And man, when we get it, it's like the lights just start to turn on. I, uh, I have had several conversations over the years, and I include myself in this, with people who, who are crippled at times with, with social anxiety. And it's like you come to something like this, you hang out, it's great, then you get in your car and you just play and replay and replay and replay every interaction over in your mind and you like it makes you sick to your stomach and it's hard to sleep because you're like oh how did I why did I say that that way why did I do that that way I shouldn't have I, I, I shouldn't have done that I uh I've called Doug several times going hey man this is where I'm at this is what happened and, and, and listen, a few, sometimes he, he shines some good light on it and goes, yeah, you should probably go like make that right or, or clear the air. But nine times out of 10, you know what he does? He just turns the lights on for me. He goes, dude, chill out. It's okay. God's still on his throne. You didn't like mess up some divine plan. And, and man, when we learn to turn the lights on, it, it, it's like all that anxiety just loses its grip. So, so what if we did this this week? What if this week we saw our anxiety as a gift? Uh, I know that sounds weird, but what if this week, every time that anxiety popped up, instead of just trying to, to crush it, we stopped and we said, okay, what's going on beneath the surface? Anxiety is just a, a check engine light, that there's something going on in our soul. So what if we stopped every time it, it happened and just took a little inventory of, of our soul and, and started to realize, oh, at some level, there's a part of me that sat back down on the throne. At some level, there's a part of me that's trying to take back control. At some level, my priorities got mixed up. And listen, no shame, no condemnation. God's not mad. We, we see it, we call it for what it is. We stand up, we put God back on the throne. And for transparency purposes, so you know I did this 25 times this week. I kept track. I wanted to practice what, what I preached and it came out to 25. And uh, like at one level, you, you could hear that and go, oh, I don't know if I want to go to a church where the pastors don't have it figured out. This isn't your church, then you should probably go somewhere else. But at another level, 25 times this week, I stopped, hit the pause button, took inventory, said, no, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm trying to, I'm doing that thing again, aren't I? Yeah, you're doing that thing again. God, you're in charge. God, the throne's yours. I'm sorry. 
Let's keep going. We, got, we have so much more to do in this world than to sit around and feel sorry for ourselves, for, for how we fall, for how we, we fail. God's going, turn the lights on, man. I'm your shepherd. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not, I'm not going to leave you out to dry. We got this. And so the other thing I would say is when we get our priorities in line, when we worship, when we put God back on the throne, is it realigns us with eternity. And we start to be reminded that there is something so much bigger happening here in Austin, Texas than anything we could imagine. And when we worship, when we join together, and when we sing these songs, what's happening is God is being put back on the throne. And what's happening in all of our minds is we're starting to, to understand and get a pathway for all of our relationships to thrive because we're being realigned I, uh, we made a puzzle a year ago. Uh, we had this idea for a movie and we had to have a custom made puzzle and put it together. And it was a whole thing because we got a thousand piece puzzle and like every piece was a different shade of gray. And so it was like an incredibly frustrating puzzle that we had to put together. So we had like the entire Red Rock staff in our office trying to put this puzzle together for an entire Friday. And we get to like 6 p.m. Uh, on, on Friday night and we realize that the puzzle's missing like three pieces. That is the most frustrating thing in the world. When you have an entire picture but there are pieces missing from it. It feels so incomplete. And I went back and read David's story this week in First and Second Samuel, and I got to the end, and that's exactly how I felt. Uh, I felt like this is a puzzle that's missing a couple of pieces. What's going on here? And I'll tell you what's happening. The reason it feels like a puzzle that's missing pieces is because David would go around singing, the Lord is my shepherd. But about a thousand years later, this man named Jesus comes on the scene and starts proclaiming, I am the good shepherd. David would say things like, God prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies, but Jesus came on the scene setting up a table anywhere he went, inviting his enemies to come join him for a meal. Jesus comes on the scene and goes, I am what you are looking for. I am the way to abundant life. I am the good shepherd who will lay down his life for his sheep so that my goodness and mercy may follow you all the days of my life and you may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 is a song for every situation because Psalm 23 points us back to Jesus. So whatever it is for you this week, whatever things you are facing this week, what if you face them with Psalm 23 in your back pocket? What if you started memorizing it, reading it every morning? And then when the good things come, you go, praise the Lord, you're my shepherd. When the bad things come, you go, praise the Lord, you're my shepherd. And not only if these things turn around, will I keep praising you, but even if, even if you still get the throne. So that's why we sing in this place. Some of you are new to church. You're like, bro, what was that whole thing uh, about? I know it, it's weird, but for thousands of years, men and women have been meeting together to sing to God because it's one of the best ways we've found to put God back on the throne that we so badly want sometimes. When we worship, that's our way of coming back together, aligning ourselves and going, God's on the throne, not me. And so tonight we're gonna sing. 
Tonight we're gonna sing. Tonight we're gonna do a little reordering of our priorities. Tonight we're gonna let these truths like sink a little bit deeper into our souls as we sing about our Father, our Shepherd, who loves us, who hasn't left us out to dry, who's quick to forgive, who's ready to take back the throne whenever we are ready to give it to Him. And maybe tonight you do a little business with God. Whatever that looks like for you, maybe we take a few minutes before we go into our crazy world to stop and go, no, for all of eternity, we're gonna remember that God sits on the throne. And so how about we start now? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside still waters, restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear any evil for you are with me, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy. My cup overflows, surely your goodness, your mercy will track me down, will chase me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, would that sink into our souls a little bit more this week. Would you guys stand up with me? Father, I love you so much. Lord, we love you so much. Jesus, I thank you for what you are doing in this place. I thank you for every soul that is here. I thank you that you are our shepherd. I thank you that you know. Uh, Lord, I, I won't pretend to know the pain that is in this room, but you do. So Father, I pray that you would meet each person exactly where they are. And as we sing, as we put you back on the throne, Lord, pray that you would help us regain proper priorities and trust that with proper priorities, our relationships will prosper. So would you be praised tonight? Would you get all the glory tonight? In Jesus' name. Let's sing.